What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Recorded live. Super exciting. It's recorded live, but no one will ever I hear it. I love that. I love <laughs> that. So, in response to your question, what's my first reaction about FanFest? It yes. is, uh, now I even have to remember what I had just said. Something um, along the lines of, I can't believe we pulled it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't believe that, you know, we put together a show in three and a half months and somehow pulled it off. Um, and it really is just nuts to think that, you know, we announced it like September 27th. And when we announced it, we had we had just signed the contracts like that previous Wednesday, like three days prior. And, you know, the reaction was really strong. And what was funny to me is like people were like, well, you know, what's going to take place there? What guests are you going to have? And I'm thinking, we just created this. Like we're flying by the seat of our pants. Right. Like, I don't I don't have these answers. And once the event actually came and, you know, I'm on site at the event, it's a little bit surreal just to think like, wow, you know, three months ago we were just kind of creating this and we got good guests and we put on a good show. And I would say, you know, when you look at pretty much any metric, you know, for the event, it was successful. Like it was mm-hmm. a well-run show. Guests had a great time. Attendees had a good time. Uh, vendors made money. Um, you know, sadly, not all of the artists made money, uh, and I think that's just the result of it was a three-month turnaround time, and it was two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> right. Well, I'm thinking that by next year, it's probably going to be one of the, I mean, so, well, let me ask my next, because my next question was about the artists and exhibitors and, like, what their feedback was. So you've already, like, answered part of my follow-up question, but we can assume that there is another fan fest coming, Right. Yes, there will be a Fan Fest 2015. Uh, okay. We'd like to still do it at the University of Phoenix Stadium. Uh, there's a lot of positive factors for you know doing a second event at at that at that facility. You know, basically a new place in town. Uh, we're dependent upon the NFL releasing their schedule, so they don't release the schedule until April, uh, and then the stadium basically looks at available dates. Um, they've obviously got some existing clientele that's repeat business. They've you know got some, uh, excuse me, they've got some RV shows and gun shows and the like, and we'll kind of get slotted in. I'm not sure that we really want to do two weeks before Christmas. I don't think that would really be an ideal time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometime mid-October, you know, early mid-November probably would work a little bit better, Um, maybe even, you know, end of January. Um, But we're kind of dependent on what dates are available, so... We won't know until April, May, uh, and then we'll we'll cross that bridge when we when we get to it. So we can't tell the stadium to stop sporting and just let us pick whenever we want. Yeah, that would be nice. Right. Someday <laughs> we'll be that big, and we'll be like, "Hey, you NFL guys, that throw this thing around the grassy, whatever, like just leave, and that'll yep. be awesome." So yep. Sunday. So, um, 
Okay, so you see, I love like our last interview, and I'm loving this one because you're actually answering all of my follow-up questions in my questions. Like, you know, was there a difference between you know artists and exhibitors? You know, and yes. who had a better time? Did you know comic vendors have a better time versus just media items? You know, that sort of thing. So. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, even extrapolating more, I mean, I know that there are some artists that didn't make back their table fee, um, and that's always regrettable. Uh, having been a vendor myself that had made my living for a number of years attending conventions much like this, uh, you know, my, my goal is to put on a show that people make a lot of money at. Uh, right. And, you know, ours is definitely a show that people save up for. You know, it's not necessarily a spontaneous event to attend per se. You know, it's something right. that you're gonna you're gonna plan for. Uh, and you know, you look at the fact that it was a quick turnaround time, and you know, we really didn't have guests announced, you know, until maybe two months before, and not even all of those, and didn't really have you know programming up. Nobody really knew what it was gonna be, um, and again, you know, two weeks before Christmas was tough. And oh, one yeah. of the things that we found during the show was, uh, you know, the actors weren't doing as well as we were hoping, and obviously some of the artists weren't doing as well. But what we were hearing from the vendors was they were doing good, and, uh, you know, anecdotally, the response was, uh, it seems like people aren't spending on themselves, but people are buying gifts for friends and family. Right. So that, I think, was what was definitely driving, you know, driving sales. Uh, we uh, we offered pre-sales for exhibitors, you know, sort of with a to-be-determined date. Uh, and we got a, uh, a fair number that took us up on that offer. And I know just looking on social media, the reaction from attendees was, you know, had a really good time, can't wait for next year. Right. So... Do you think that especially because FanFest is going to probably stay more of either like a late fall or a winter thing, do you think at some point FanFest could be bigger than Phoenix Comic Con just because it's – no, not at all? No, and some of that is – some of it's the facility. You know, the stadium is a great facility for FanFest, but it doesn't have the space that the convention center does. and when I look at the factors that allow Phoenix Comic Con to be as large, it, it's not going to really those, – those same factors really won't allow FanFest to be as large. Um, you know, in order for us to get the same amount of space, you know, for FanFest that Comic Con does, we would have to move downtown to the convention center. And there's some challenges inherent in that, which is you've got to be able to sell hotel rooms. And hotel room pricing in November, early December, end of January uh, is considerably higher because it's peak season in Arizona and Phoenix. So you've got a lot of business travel that comes in and books space. And we would be in a situation early on, much like we were with Phoenix Comic Con 2010, 2011, where we would probably be using less space than we're currently using right now at the stadium. So we would be dependent upon whatever space they hadn't rented, you know, let's say in 2015 or 2016. And the hope would be to get to a point where, you know, we would be able to acquire more space. And the thing with Phoenix Comic Con during the summer is there's not a whole lot of other business. So it's been easier for us to get the space that we needed as quickly as we needed it. 
And, right. you know, really just the other factor is it is more expensive to do an event downtown Phoenix in the winter months. We will pay more for rental space. We will pay more for hotel space. And that also means that our attendees are going to be paying more. So when I look at the factors that have allowed Phoenix Comic-Con to grow as big, those same factors just don't exist for FanFest. But FanFest can truly be, I mean, it can really be its, its own unique events. And that was one of the benefits of doing it, you know, doing it in Glendale, doing it at, at this very unique facility, you know, the stadium, that it can very well grow and grow into, you know, its own event with kind of its own, you know, sort of its own theme to it, whatever that ends up being. Um, you know, there's still ways for us to expand with the stadium and uh, having access to the Renaissance Hotel that's right across the parking lot would mm-hmm. also open up, you know, some possibilities for us you know, of doing, you know, evening programming, you know, doing, you know, larger ballroom space for, you know, more popular guests. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's options and opportunities for us. Mm-hmm. So even though you said, you know, its own theme, whatever that ends up being, have there been any thoughts thrown around that FanFest will end up more of like a comic thing and as a result of that Phoenix Comic Con will be more of a media thing? Or does this kind of get back to, like you talked about in the meetings, where when people say, oh, Phoenix Comic Con should be just comics or it should be just anime or just costuming. And you're like, well, no, you people all like everything. So right. we're going to keep having everything. I mean, does it, it, yep. do you think one will become more genre-centric or just more, I don't know if Probably. activity is the right word, but just more like activity-centric based on what's you know, going I, on? Well, I kind of like how you pose that activity-centric. Um, I don't think that we would necessarily have one genre at one that's not at the other per se. Um, that's kind of my uh, how I'm viewing it. I mean, we focus on comics, costuming kids, and actors for FanFest simply because those are kind of four key areas that we wanted to focus on. And we just don't have the programming space to do a whole lot of other things that are, you know, that's at Phoenix Comic Con. And if anything, you know, to us, Phoenix Comic Con is is really kind of the you know, that signature event that we do. And we want to make that special. And so, you know, that's why we do the film festival there. That's why we do the horror programming. You know, that's why we do, you know, sort of right all the science fiction. Programming. What's that? I said right next to youth programming. That makes it extra special. <laughs> right, yeah. Comic-Con, youth programming and horror right next to each other. Yeah. Um <laughs> You know, but it, it's kind of like the nature of the programming. And there's some stuff that we were able to do at FanFest that I don't think we'd be able to do at Comic-Con. You know, and I mean, it's simple stuff like, you know, we did the big inflatable slides for the kids. You know, that's something we had talked about for Comic-Con. But, you know, the challenge is you, you can't really dedicate the space to do that inside at the convention center. You could do it outside, but, you know, in, in end of May, summer heat, those slides are going to get really hot. So oh, yeah. It's not really, really not comfortable, not comfortable at all, especially because most people are, like, especially kids, parents are going to have them in shorts or skirts yep. or whatever. Yep. And, yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> yep, but that was something we could do at FanFest. And if you look at, you know, we did this comic, uh, comic book programming track at FanFest where, 
you know, with attendee and guest support, we created a comic book character and, you know, penciled, ink, colored, and, and printed, uh, you know, a four-page comic book. It, we wouldn't be able to do that at, you know, at Comic-Con, but it was something we could totally do at FanFest. So, you know, both Comic-Con and FanFest, you know, they grow naturally and organically by, you know, sort of the people involved. I don't see you know, FanFest being, you know, that FanFest is the comic book one and somehow there's not going to be comics at, at Comic-Con. It's, you know, comic books are, are a staple, you know, of both events. I just don't see, you know, having, you know, one at one and not at the other. Right, totally. So, as you mentioned, you know, tons and tons of the feedback was positive and I think that, well, I think part of it just is like we pulled it off and it was really, really cool. Um, but the only negative feedback that I really noticed that stood out, and it was only when it was announced, was negative pushback on the fast passes that were introduced for FanFest. And so what were your thoughts about the pushback on that and how, if at all, that pushback will affect any future planning? Uh, I'm not surprised by the, the pushback. You know, in talking with other conventions that have implemented this system, um, they kind of, you know, pre-warned us that, you know, there'd be some negative, you know, negative comments about it. Uh, and, you know, in some ways it does change, you know, it, it does change aspects of the event or maybe just the perception of it. Um, you know, as far as the, the negative feedback I had read and, and when we announced it, I, I read every comment and I responded to as many of them as I, as I could, at least on Facebook. Um, you know, there's kind of the sense that, you know, this is going to make the line so much longer. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure that that's necessarily, uh, that that's necessarily going to happen. It's definitely going to be something that we're going to monitor, but, you know, we're only selling 500 fast passes. And especially with Comic-Con, you know, you look at the thousands of people who are, you know, throughout the weekend getting, you know, getting autographs, 500 really is kind of a small number. Uh, the other right. thing to kind of keep in mind is that, you know, the people who are buying a fast pass, because it, it, it is only good for, you know, uh, actor autographs and the, uh, the actor photo booth, those are people that are already waiting in line. It's right. not like it, it's 500 new people that aren't attending the convention who aren't waiting in line. They're already waiting in line. And right. they could potentially be, you know, people who are waiting in line ahead of you already and now it's just a little bit more noticeable um i know that somebody had brought up a comment well is it possible that all 500 people for a fast pass uh you know could wait in one line and it would prevent somebody else well sure but i don't think that there's i i just don't think that you know 500 people are all going to be doing the same thing at the same time within that you know sort of that sliver of you know, they all just happen to buy that same pass. I think more than likely what's going to happen is, you know, even if we do sell all 500, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a handful who are doing, you know, who are waiting in, in you know, a line for an actor over here, and you're going to have a handful who are waiting in line for an actor over there. Uh, you're going to have some that are, you know, waiting to do a, a photo op. So it's going to be spread around. And so, again, I'm not... Mm, you know, I don't want to categorically say there's not going to be an impact. <laughs> right. But, you know, the when we, 
when we thought about doing this, and it's something that has been asked of us for, for a number of years, uh, you know, we talked to our counterparts at a couple other conventions that have implemented one and, you know, kind of tried to find out what best practices they were using and implementing that here at Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And so for those that did purchase fast passes, the, the dozens that were sold, um, you know, did everything go smoothly? Were there any hiccups with it? Not that I know of. Um, admittedly, SanFest may not have been the ideal circumstances to really test it, given that, you know, attendance was not at capacity, and we did not sell out of the fast pass. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we'll definitely learn more from Phoenix Comic Con because I anticipate, you know, if we don't if we don't sell out at Phoenix Comic Con, we'll still be selling, you know, a few hundred of them, and that's when we'll really be able to to see how it is, you know, in practice and determine whether or not. Um, you know, is it something that really delays the lines? Is it not? Uh, is it, you know, is it a minimal delay? Or is it something that nobody even really notices? Okay. And then what are, you know, if there are any other things that were either tried out at FanFest or seem to work or not work at FanFest that may affect future cons, like future Phoenix Comic Con, not just FanFest itself? Oh, there's not. There's actually a number of things that we tried out at FanFest uh, that uh, are going to have a positive impact on Phoenix Comic Con, and that's actually one of the benefits of doing a smaller show, you know, sort of six months away from Phoenix Comic Con, is to be able to try out new things. So obviously, the Fast Pass was something that you know we we implemented. Uh, we also went cashless on our registration. And right, so, I remember that. Yep. So we went cashless, and there were. There were a handful of complaints, but for the most part, it wasn't. Uh, it was not an issue that most people had either purchased online, or they had, uh, you know, credit or uh, debit cards when they came on site to purchase. Uh, it freed up uh, some of our time of having to just secure, manage, and count cash, and it eased a lot of the security concerns that I've had over the last few years. We also had uh, key volunteers in new positions or new volunteers in positions that they hadn't been before. So, you know, the, the biggest was we had uh, new directors of operation in Jen and Lee Palmer. Mm -hmm. uh, Roger Dickinson had retired at the end of Phoenix Comic Con 2014, and he had been director of operations for three years. So Jen and Lee, uh, you know, had been costuming managers and got promoted. And FanFest really gave them a chance to, you know, really get into, you know, into their department, into the operations department, and learn it and, you know, get to know their team and figure out how things work and how things run. Uh, so, you know, you can kind of look at FanFest as, you know, training ground for them, and they're going to be able to take all that they learned and roll it right into Comic-Con. And there's other volunteers who it's either a new position that we created, uh, such as a logistics manager position, or it's people who were in new positions that, you know, they basically got educated and trained, and now they're going to be able to go and do it for Comic-Con. So they could go through trial by fire, and yep. now yep. something cheesy about a phoenix rising from ashes or something? Yep. That probably won't actually make the blog, so... <laughs> Yeah, so 
Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, you actually answer most of my follow-up questions as I go. Um, okay. Anything exciting about what we can expect for Phoenix Comic Con based on FanFest was my last question, but you really kind of, you know, rolled into it with all of it. So, yeah. Good. You know, uh, you know, when we then think about, you know, Phoenix Comic Con, we uh, we just had our first all-hands meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. And we had our leadership retreat, you know, so over the past couple of weeks, we've had both of those. And I was talking with the directors about this, uh, you know, prior to the all hands that, you know, geez, a, a year ago, you know, it felt like we were really kind of having to try and, and educate, like, the coordinators and managers on what the leadership retreat could be. And, you know, really just trying to get people enthused, like, hey, you know, we're, we're you know, the, the planning is starting for Comic-Con, you know, have the first all hands meeting, you know, let's go. And this year... In in due part because of FanFest, it seems like everybody is enthusiastic and they're ready to go and they've already hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, at that first all-hands meeting uh, on Saturday, I did a you know, show of hands, you know, how many people here are new? And, you know, this was the first meeting and there was a good number of hands that went up and even more surprising was a good percentage of those had never even attended the convention before. And that's always, you know, that's always amazing to me when somebody who's never attended the convention before is interested in at least coming out and finding out more about volunteering. Right. Well, I think it's because, I mean, because I remember when I volunteered, um, it, it won't be a year until the 30th. It was like January 30th when I first sent like an email to Owen who was leading the mod team. And I was like, hey, I love talking to people and I'm really geeky, but I can be really professional. Can I be a moderator? Was like basically what I said. And I had only attended half a day of Phoenix Comic Con in 2013 when I had done it. But I had another friend who volunteered. And I'm sure a lot of those people are there because they have friends who volunteered who was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And yep. so I think that that's part of it because, and I'm not just saying this because you're like my boss above my boss, but it's like, you know, I've worked a lot of jobs. I've worked in corporate environments. I've worked for small business. I'm working at a local church as an IT person right now. And there have been a lot of good jobs I've had and a lot of bad jobs I've had. But I can honestly say that working for Phoenix Comic Con is the most fun I've had, not even including my time at the convention, and I think it's because you let people, like you you as you, but you also as like the organization, Phoenix Comic Con, lets people plug in to all of the places that they're passionate about. I happen to do street teams because I love talking to people and I love geeking out, and so that really fits. But I'm sure people who love technology really love that they can get into technology, and so I can just say, as a volunteer, I think part of it is just because I bet so many of them had friends that are like, oh, my gosh, you're going to have so much fun. And I think that that's just what it is because everybody gets to get passionate about whatever. And so, yeah. Yep, I agree with all of that. You know, and and because you mentioned, like, the tech department, you know, when talking with all of those within tech, you know, some of these are people that do this for a living, and they love the chance of, you know, essentially playing in the sandbox that is Phoenix Comic Con and, you know, trying to make it better. And I just kind of think to myself, like, you know, you do this for a living and you're still willing to volunteer for us. You know, that says something about the organization we've built. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. Cool. Any final questions? 
No, that's um, that's pretty much it. Um, I've got all my notes. And like I said, a lot of it would just kind of touch on stuff that you had already talked about in some of the meetings. But, cool. you know, I wanted to be able to, you know, get some good quotes and, you know, throw it on the blog and basically just talk about the ways that FanFest was awesome, not just in terms of, hey, look at these fun cosplay photos, but look at, hey, here's what FanFest meant to Phoenix Comic Con, so here's yep. the awesomeness we can expect down the road. So, um, Absolutely. So I'm, I'm good. So thank you very much um, for your time and um, just sort of letting me chat with you and, and get these questions. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely, and my apology, it took us like two weeks and three chances to reschedule this. So well, that's, I felt bad when I felt like I dropped it, the ball from not resetting the thing, so it's cool. No, it, 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 it's on me, so it shouldn't be this difficult. So I appreciate your uh, your patience, and I look forward to reading your article. Okay, awesome. I'll right. send you a link when it's done. Okay, talk to you soon. All right, cool. Bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.